Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama Sisterhood around the world. So whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your hosts, Martha and Ashley. We're not sick. Hey, hey, we're not sick. It's the first time in 35 years we're not sick. Yay! <laughs> but you're your not, but is. my toddler is. Yours is. Yeah. How, how are you doing? We're good. He we're just, just worth surviving. Yeah. But he, it's okay. It was we're so good. cute. He ran in here and he was like, I, I'm doing great. It's like, I feel better. Yeah. I feel better. You know, yeah. Like, you're lying to yourself, bud. Um, <laughs> we, are, we are nearing spring. Summer for some people, where, wherever they live in the world. Um, but for those in the Midwest, it feels nice to be thawing out here a little bit. Speaker for yourself, um, it's five degrees here today. Oh. And we're supposed to be negative 11 on Wednesday. So. Oh, oops. Sorry. Uh, moment of, a moment of silence for those living in the Fargo-Moorhead area, please. I just imagine, I hear the <laughs> Hunger Games song like, like, you know. <laughs> Um, yes. I'm so sorry about that. It will be, it will come here. The end of cold and flu season is, is going to arrive at some point as well. We're all going to get through it wherever you are in the world. If you're in Australia, if you're in Spain, please know that we see you during these times of transition, especially those who have survived daylight savings. Well, um, today is very, very exciting because we have not one, but two members of the Dear Nikki Mama leadership team integral mm-hmm. members of our community, NICU parents themselves, incredible ladies from head to show, great hair for days. Um, <laughs> and we're going to have them on to talk about a very special topic. Ash can cover that in a second. But I just want to say a big shout out to Savannah Chubb and Keely Ronovic for being here today. First time podcast uh, guests. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, so happy to be here. Hi. Keely and Savannah are very um, special people of our leadership team. They are both members of our editorial team. So all of the content that you see on social and our letters are all facilitated by them. And so we're so grateful and really excited to have them on another one of our uh, media platforms, if you will. And season six, if you're just tuning in, is all about growing our families after NICU. And we were trying to kind of put our heads together of some roundtable topics that would be valuable in this season. And we're really excited about this one because it's a little, um, it's kind of a mix of two different things. One is um, navigating pregnancy announcements after NICU when maybe you're kind of in that, I'm not sure what our family building journey looks like. And two, if you find yourself pregnant after NICU, how you uh, facilitated, how you talked about your pregnancy on social media. Did it change? Did you post the same? That kind of thing. And so we're excited to hear from both Keely and Savannah as they have both unique family building journeys after NICU. And so thank you guys again for being here today. Yeah, super excited to be here. Yeah. So um, 
I think we should start from the beginning. That's what Julie Andrews tells us to do in The Sound of Music. <laughs> and um, I wonder if we can share a little bit about each of your stories, um, your NICU journeys, who you are, and, and how you got here today. Um, Savannah, do you want to start? Yeah. Um, so my name's Savannah. Um, I'm actually from Alabama, but in September of 2022, we moved to South Carolina. Um, I have a 16-month-old son named Griffin, and he was born November 20th, 2021. Um, he was full term, and he had an HIE diagnosis at um, the time of birth, uh, we believe due to prolonged labor. Um, and he initially had a very, very low prognosis. And um, that's what led us to finding Dear Nikki Mama and eventually led us to moving out of Alabama here to South Carolina to start over. Um, and he's doing great and we're doing great. And we love South Carolina. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's the very shortest mm -hmm. version of our story. <laughs> and Griffin is so freaking cute. Mm -hmm. He's got Thanks. the cutest chin, the cutest hair. We've already talked. We've already gone over all He's of this. He's like a little punk rock boy. And yes. I love it. Yes. And such a little ham at the playground. He's like flirting with all the ladies. No, he is so obsessed with women. And it is, <laughs> you know what? As he should all, be. Honestly, it's very, it's taken me back. <laughs> Listen, he just he just knows who girls run the world. That's right. That's how the song mm -hmm. goes. Yes, that is yeah. correct. This is and um, I will make sure he knows it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for for sharing Savannah. Like we, we talk about this all the time. It's so hard. I feel like everyone comes up kind of like an elevator pitch version of their story, because if you go, you can go down a whole row like on day 12, this is what happened. And then we had these follow up, you know, everybody knows their, oh, wow. their story so intimately. So um, I was telling Keely earlier, just there, this, the thing that end, landed us in the NICU in the first place was just such a crazy mm -hmm. day, more than day long thing that I would, didn't even know where to start. Um, yeah. the very short version is he was born not breathing. Um, and it put us in the NICU. So, yeah. Oh. It's so, so scary. Um, I just really applaud you and your sweet family for all you've been through and who you are today. You're, you do a really good job of protecting yourself and advocating for, for him and you. So thank you so much for being here, Savannah. Thanks. I do my best. <laughs> Keely, how about you? Tell us a little bit about you, Keely. Yeah. Hi, I'm Keely. I am the content curator for Dear Nikki Mama, which means I get to read and respond to your comments. I uh, love your photos that, that you tag us in <laughs> and be inspired by the sisterhood every single day. I have three little dudes. Our firstborn um, had intrauterine growth restriction. Uh, the second is our preemie and was our Nikki's day. And I just had her third this past year and he was my high risk pregnancy. So a little of all the, all the experiences. I love your sweet family. I always like to tell people because I just think it's a fun connection, but we go way back to those college days. Yeah. Keely and I were working <laughs> the bar at Starbucks together at 5 a.m. <laughs> and so it's extra special to now share this piece of our journey too. So Keely, I love yeah. you and adore you and so grateful for all that you do to serve the moms on our social media pages. Mm -hmm. We love you. Thank you. I love you yeah. guys. Keely is the person we go to when we need help. Um, what is that? <laughs> Having a backbone? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. She's a she's a warrior. I will 
say this for um, the integrity of social media spaces for us. And uh, we are very, very grateful to her as we are to Savannah for helping curate the incredible letters that um, are released mm-hmm. every week too. It's yeah, I didn't even mention that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. No, that's okay. We know it in our hearts, Savannah. Um, but the, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes of Dear Nikki Mama. And there's this gr- group of, of incredible women um and we are so thrilled that to to share them with you because we get to, to to the joy of knowing and experiencing them on a daily basis so yay so um this is a big topic to start with um you know the concept of social media is 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 huge and i think we are all in the same kind of boat in that it really social media was born right when we were young adults or teenagers really and so um we're kind of part of that first generation of people who've been able to experience that digital transformation and also experience what it means for us in womanhood and parenthood too um so I wonder if you guys could both share about how you navigate and use social media prior to your NICU journey. And when you found out you were pregnant, how did you decide what you would share on social media? Mm-hmm. I wonder, maybe Keely, do you want to take a, take a start here? Yeah, I guess it's changed dramatically from one pregnancy to the next for myself. Like with our firstborn, there's just kind of like this tell the world mindset. Like we just couldn't say it enough. And we made like a cute video announcement saying that we were pregnant, shared it absolutely everywhere. Uh, We were young, one of the first couples in our friend group to start their parenthood journey, which also meant we were incredibly naive and blissfully unaware of how everything (laughs) could play out. And then like with our second born, like now now we've been through a few things. Um, I really wasn't in any kind of rush to announce on social. I also had friends at the time who were going through really difficult things on their own journeys to being parents. So Mm -hmm. announcing my pregnancy took more like thought and empathy. And it was really the first time that Mm -hmm. I felt the pull to be mindful and how it could affect others. Mm -hmm. And then my third is everything from the second, but like heightened and more with it being high risk, having a NICU experience. It was like even scary to announce to like our family. I mean, they'd seen us go through everything that we did. And so like, it was like, what were they going to say? Would they think that we were being irresponsible or reckless? And like a lot of my close friends were walking through really, really hard situations like cancer diagnoses, infertility, ectopic pregnancies, chemical pregnancies, multiple miscarriages, not being able to expand their family, not by choice because of their medical past so like it was just such Mm -hmm. a hard different space to be in um so most of my announcing to friends was via text i wanted Mm -hmm. to allow for space and feel absolutely no pressure to feel a certain way like if you need to cry after i send that text like i want there to be that space i don't want you to feel like you had to put on a brave face or a happy face if I told you in the middle of a coffee shop or at work or wherever like you're allowed mm. to feel the feelings because pregnancy announcements mm. can really suck they can sting and yeah. they just leave such a mark um so when I did get around to posting it on social I was probably like in the second trimester or so like it just wasn't a priority anymore um and when I did announce, it was super subtle. Like, basically, you only got it 
if we had talked prior. So it really went from like being like shouting from the rooftops and like blissfully unaware to like super painfully aware of what these announcements can do Mm -hmm. and the impact they can leave. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And do you feel like your, you know, you kind of mentioned like it changed significantly as you continued to have kids. Like, do you feel like your NICU experience was like a foundational part of you kind of like building that empathy of how you shared about your pregnancy? I think it did. It definitely colored the whole announcing and sharing a different color. Like, I mean, we started out with like rose rose colored glasses and like nothing's going to go wrong. Just kind of like get on the ride and go for it. And like, I mean, you see on social, like all the photos make it look so easy. Like I never thought (laughs) pregnancy was hard. Because you just see these mm-hmm. glowing mamas with their big bellies, smiling down. They're doing all these, like, cute, fun things with their cute little bellies. But, like, it's so is it. There's so many different things that go on behind the scenes that, like, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it's hard. Pregnancy is hard. Yeah. Savannah, what, are you, what about you? Um, we were so excited to share that we were having a baby on social media. Um, we didn't live close to most of the people that we'd grown up with and that we were close to. Um, so we waited until I was about 13 weeks, just as soon as we felt comfortable at the time, which I would never feel comfortable doing that early now. Um, And we shared on Mother's Day, uh, which was really special for us because my husband's mom passed away when he was pretty little um, suddenly. And it's always been a hard day for him. And I don't have a close relationship with my family. So we really wanted to take a day that had some unfortunate um, connotations and make it something beautiful for the family we were building. Um, So we could not be more excited to announce Um, we I mean, obviously, I spent a lot of time in the early months worrying about how things could go and all of the statistics. Um, I was aware of those things as a person who struggles with anxiety. I knew those things, but it wasn't, like Keely said, something that I truly worried about. I think in my heart of hearts, I didn't think how it could hurt people or bring up unfortunate feelings for other people to share things so openly like that. Um, And I definitely think that I would act differently on it now if we ever choose to have more children, um, which we aren't sure if that will ever come to be or not. Um, But I definitely think that it's completely changed my experience with people announcing that their family's getting bigger. Um, I definitely see it and it stings a little bit, like Keely said, um, more than I ever could have thought that it, something wonderful like that could sting for people. But I, I definitely have that understanding of it in a way I did not before. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think what you both articulated too, is there's this idea of like, 
the glasses are off or maybe they're on. I don't know. You all of a sudden you see a perspective you never did before. Right. And it's only possible by having kind of been through this really traumatic thing. Um, and I think it's interesting too, because the thing about social media and like feeds in general is like, there's no way to prepare for it. Right. You just log in and then there's something there. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think that's, what's hard as well. Like it's like kitten video, kitten video, pregnancy announcement. (laughs) There was a point early on when I was really, really, really struggling that I thought like, how can I mute certain words that are Mm. words that I that are everywhere. Like how can I mute happy or joy or, or mm-hmm. like birth or, or the opposite? Like I didn't want to see something that made me fearful and I didn't right. want to see something that made me jealous either. That's and, hard. and there's there, it just, it feels like everything gets taken from you in that way. And I know y'all know that, um, but you just, everything you see invokes some, something that you don't really want. Um, so yeah, you're totally right. There's just, it's constant doom scrolling. Like how do I undoom scroll? I want to see things that I like seeing, mm-hmm. but there's just so many opportunities to see things that sting, I think, when you're in that position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and you make a good point too of like you mentioned early on. And I think how we use social media, like when we're really close to our trauma and how we maybe engage with it today can be so, so different. Mm-hmm. Um and so honoring your current capacity of where you're at, I think for, yeah. and I, I was the same way, Svanna, when I was in the NICU, I could hardly open my social media because it just hurt. I was pregnant at the same time as close friends and they were having wildly different pregnancy experiences while we were in the NICU and that kind of thing. And now mm-hmm. that Silas is four, I can engage with it a lot differently, but I think it's important to, to note that you know, depending on where you are in your journey, it may require different levels of muting or, you know, looking at those words of pregnancy and birth and maybe muting those because we just don't have the capacity to take it in, in those early, early moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Keely, you had kind of mentioned that, you know, maybe with your second and third, you were a little bit more mindful of what you shared. And I think sometimes in this day and age, we can think that, the only way that we're celebrating these big milestones in our life is to post them online because that's kind of like mm-hmm. the norm. But mm-hmm. I would love to know ways that you and your family intentionally celebrated these big milestones offline. You know, what were some ways that you celebrated these milestones when maybe it didn't feel right to, or the time wasn't right to post them publicly? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with my third and like being that it was a high risk pregnancy, there was a lot of like mile markers along the way. So Mm. like getting to viability, like it was me and my nurse the Mm. day before Thanksgiving, no one's in the hospital. I'm getting my progesterone shot and we're both like celebrating Mm. that we got there. This is awesome. But like, I'm not putting that on social. Like, this, this is my moment with my nurse. Right. I don't need to do anything on social. I never felt the need to. Or like when we got to like 23 and 3, which is when I went into labor with my second born the first time, like celebrating with my MFM. Like we're getting there. Like you're doing this. We're doing yeah. this. Your baby's doing amazing. And like mm-hmm. celebrating those things with the people that are like, 
within my inner circle and being like super pumped about it and like I don't know during my third pregnancy I kept my circle of like who knew what was going on really small I mean most of that was Mm. just like for my mental health because I just like Mm -hmm. needed it I could not just if I was like spilling it onto Instagram or wherever like it was already I felt super vulnerable with the people I was interacting on a daily basis like my nurses my doctors like it was already a lot of people involved in everything that I just didn't feel any sort of need to post it anywhere as well as like when I see people being like I'm 37 weeks this baby should come at any time let's go baby it's like that hurts. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I wish I, I wish I could get that far. I wish, like, my prayer right now is to get that far. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, mm-hmm. knowing those things now and how I verbally, like, communicate that kind of stuff. Like, it's just such a sensitive thing. And, like, even, like, when, you anna- when I announce birth, I don't put those types of things because it be it can send you in such a tailspin and like a comparison game in your head. Well, she made it this far or her baby weighs that much. Mine only weighed this much or any of those kind of things. Like we're celebrating it as a family, like via a big text chain. I think it's super, that's such a great um, idea to kind of celebrate what you have. And it's such a, a good point to make too. Like you can take pictures for yourself that don't, don't have to be shared on social (laughs) media. It's such a, you know, um, and I remember I did, we did the same thing. We, when we hit, uh, 28 weeks, we ordered donuts that had 28 on them and took a picture of it. So I have that picture, right. And it's something we did to celebrate, but I didn't share it on social media, first of all, because I looked insane, but also, you know, <laughs> no, you know, we didn't tell anybody we were pregnant the second time around. We just like, yeah. t- actually, it was super fun. We texted a bunch of our friends and we were just like, guess what? We had a baby. Surprise. Um, but yeah, that's I love that idea. You know, um, actually, since you if it's OK, you kind of both touched on this concept. And I wonder if we can we can even start with you, Savannah, to answer this one. But yeah this concept of, of jealousy, like it's really hard. And that really, I heard this crazy thing once that social media is really the currency of jealousy. Like this idea that it's about comparison, right. And about sharing and comparing your life against other people's. And we know there are some really beautiful parts of it as well. That's how we all met. Right. But, um, how we navigate this, maybe even as we're not as close to our NICU journeys, but we're still going that life living the life with toddlers and Mm -hmm. seeing um, maybe our kids have developmental disabilities or are delayed on milestones or even just seeing um, how new friends are having babies or talking about their deliveries, how we navigate those feelings of jealousy and what are like the healthy ways that we approach them because it's going to happen, right? No matter what. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I think those things, those moments really hurt. It's this, beautiful, breathtaking, life-altering moment that was stolen from all of us for whatever reason with our first and maybe our only child. And Mm -hmm. that is really hard. And 
for a long time, I felt really guilty for how hurt it made me. There's just this feeling in my chest that I remember early on getting that just felt like it was twisting up inside of itself every time I saw someone else have a beautiful birth experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And much like you said, Ashley, one of my best friends, um, her due date was five days after mine. And the morning that I was in labor and struggling um, and unbeknownst to me, probably developing the infection that caused everything to happen, um, she texted our group and said, look what I did. And she had her baby later that night. Everything happened for us. And I, it almost hurt me to even look at her daughter for the longest time because it felt so raw and so tender. And then I felt so much guilt for feeling that way. And I think early on, I subjected myself to those kinds of things, to how much it hurt and to the jealousy because I was punishing myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that until I stopped, until I found Perozac and (laughs) And um, I'm so support, just such a supporter of that because it's absolutely changed my life. I don't think I ever would have come around to the things that I have now if it weren't for getting help in that way Mm. Um, because I wanted to punish myself because I blamed myself for what happened. And eventually I had to learn to guard my heart. I had to mute people that I loved. I had to stop lingering on the beautiful birth stories from other people that I didn't know or that I just happened to cross because I wanted myself to feel how bad it felt to not have gotten it. Mm. Um, I stopped welcoming those things. I stopped asking to suffer, I think. Um, It was the only way not to just find myself doom scrolling and break my own heart on an Instagram post on a Thursday morning in my coffee cup, just crying, you know? And I think, I think it was, it sounds so minuscule, but the kindest thing I ever did for myself throughout this was care enough to stop looking Mm -hmm. because that was so hard for me Mm -hmm. for such a long time. Mm And that makes, that's so, I think it's really wise because you're, you're kind of pointing out what's the feeling behind the jealousy and it's, um, intense grief, right. Of, of this experience that we lost for ourselves, but then also, um, internal shame. Right. And so if, I mean, really recognizing those is such a huge thing to accomplish for yourself. So kudos to you for doing that. It's so big. Mm -hmm. Um, but also you're, you're right. Like a choice. It is, what do they say? Like how many times you pick up your phone a day to look at, you know, TikTok or Instagram or whatever. It's like in the hundreds. Right. So oh, it's, yeah. it's a habit by, by breaking that habit, you actually can create space for yourself to heal. Like, and set setting that boundary for yourself is really important. I think, you know, personally I've had to, and maybe this is just cause I'm four years out of it. I'm able to see it this way where I definitely was not able to initially, but I think I kind of had to come to this place of like, it's okay if she celebrates in this way, Um, you know, because I think I do have friends who maybe wrestled with infertility for years and now they share Mm -hmm. a lot because it's like they are finally getting to share about their Mm -hmm. birth experience or their baby experience. Um, 
But I think, yeah, honoring your current capacity and what mm-hmm. feels what feels honoring to your heart and to your experience. And also remembering that there are other ways to celebrate their experience without being daily engaged with it, mm-hmm. especially in those tender moments. Um, and I often found that oftentimes the in-person play date experience was a lot more gentle surprisingly than seeing it on social because oh their kids having a tantrum too and you know oh you know it's like you're kind of getting the more realness of it all Mm -hmm. where social media can be such a um a a rose-colored glass experience but then when you're all together and you're like oh we're we're all in a similar you know our traumas are different our experiences are different But we're all kind of going through our own things. We may just not talk about those publicly too, you know. So there were other ways to celebrate each other's kids in a way that didn't also look like being shown pictures and and experiences that I so deeply longed for. So I wonder in your guys' experience, how have you either kept in touch with friendships that were maybe going through similar seasons with yours that looked maybe different online and then different in like person or in real life? I think that's super interesting that you bring that up and such a good point, Ash, that this is this is social media, but it's not the entirety of our like social life as well. And that there's like a sheen about social media that makes even all of these things that Savannah and Keely have articulated even harder. So being to engaging in with people in an authentic way makes such a difference. Um, to be honest, I mean, the one I think about too all the time, Ashley, is I think about you. Is that creepy to say? Oh, and no. that's nice. But you know, we <laughs> I think about you too. It <laughs> sounds really. <laughs> Did you like my tone of yeah. voice when I said that? Yeah, I it was very to the culture. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I am watching you right now, so that's why it's coming up in my head. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but I, I mean, that's an example of one. Like one thing that has come out of it is I've also made new relationships that are built mm-hmm. off of that authenticity authenticity because we have the shared experience. So yeah. you have mm-hmm. these relationships and maybe they change it a little bit. You know, maybe you don't engage with them on social media as much, but I text them updates or do something different. But I also have this whole other uh, realm of new relationships with, you know, you three ladies are examples of those people I get to engage with all the time that really get it and understand it. So, um, mm. they celebrate in a different way. Like we have an incredible, um, we use Slack as a team. And so there's a channel on that where people kind of share updates from their life and, and it's the it really runs the gamut, right? We show up for each other in ways that, um, maybe other friendships don't. And that's, that's okay. Right. That's, that's kind of an element yeah. of it too. I feel like a huge element of that is having, if you're so lucky to a group of people who aren't so traumatized by seeing what you're saying that they have to look away, you know? Mm -hmm. And because there are things that I can say to all of you that are, a shrug and a laugh and a story of your own. And those are things that I might say to someone that's never been through this, who would have that look of horror come across their face. You know what I mean? And to have someone react with a simple, that is absolutely horrible. And that's something we've all got a baseline for is so comforting in some way. There's just this level of feeling seen. And I think feeling seen throughout this 
process healing from all of this has meant more to me than even feeling loved, just feeling heard and feeling seen because Mm -hmm. so much of it felt so isolating and so unfair. And it's so easy to get lost and wallow in that jealousy and the sadness of it all. And just people be able to meet me and say, you're right. That was horrible. You survived something horrific but you survived it and we are here and all we can do is move forward. So just this balance of, I see you and I hear you and I meet you and I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of what you have to offer and the pain that's real for you, but we can also go somewhere else from here and leave that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's why I kept my circle so small with that third pregnancy is just because like, I don't want to have to explain everything all the time like it's just re-traumatizing to be like this is why I'm doing this this is why I have a high-risk pregnancy like I just I I don't have mm-hmm. the time or the mental capacity and it's not just it's not good for me in this time like let's talk about mm-hmm. my NICU experience like after this pregnancy then I'd love to share mm-hmm. so much of it ebbs and flows I think telling myself that and allowing that has been a big deal for me Um, Just allowing some days it being okay that it hurts when I look at joyful moments and all I can see is my own grief and that it's okay to stop looking. And then there are other days when I catch myself seeing or noticing something and it didn't hurt. And I'm, I'm able to notice that it didn't hurt that time. And it just all ebbs and flows. And like Ashley said, I think honoring that and allowing it and just letting those things pass through was really, really hard for me at the beginning and it's gotten not easier, but maybe more second nature as time has passed, I think, and keeping my circle small as well. Like you said, I think there's just a core group of people who get it or who are there to meet you with it. If they don't, I think that makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. One of the blessings and curses maybe that we all experience after our traumatic experiences is that we become hyper aware of how other people might receive or perceive different things like our Mm -hmm. empathy radars are like to the 10th (laughs) to the nth degree you know we're like Mm -hmm. oh should I say this this way or this way this way um and so Keely I'd love to know real quick like you know with your third pregnancy how did you practice social media in like a self-compassionate way and how do you continue to do that in a way that Um, is sensitive to other people and yet also gives you space to feel like you can honor what you're walking through in this moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, initially I stopped following any type of parent account. I had absolutely no shame Mm -hmm. with using the mute options and no tolerance for like shame or fear mongering type accounts. Um, Mm -hmm. As a NICU Mm -hmm. parent, NICU grad parent, parents in general, we don't have time for any of that. Like, we don't need it. It's not necessary. Just no. Um, mm-hmm. I had, a, I mean, I was in the hospital a lot for all the appointments. And I had a idea in my head that I was going to, like, share all these photos from me, like, in these different spots and write this long post about my experience with a high-risk pregnancy. But that never came to fruition <laughs> because it just... Mm-hmm. It felt too open as well as like when I post something, like I go through a series of like questions of like, is this necessary? Is this helpful? Is this 
like I mean I'm I'm an empath so like how is this going to impact others what are they going to think is it helping them you know and it just came down to like maybe it isn't maybe this is something that I keep in my notes and like it was more of a therapeutic thing for me to exercise and get my feelings out there get my thoughts out there something that I can look back and be like read through and be like wow I am so brave and courageous for walking through all of this like this is awesome so like I look at that note now and it's for Mm -hmm. me and it's amazing and I love it Mm -hmm. and I'm glad I didn't put it on social and like I have a lot of different drafts Mm -hmm. like that but it also mean it doesn't mean that like I wasn't super excited for this pregnancy it doesn't mean that I was shameful for it it doesn't mean that I regret being pregnant it doesn't mean that like I'm not super excited about this baby like I am all those things but I just never felt the absolute need to put it all over social and that's just Mm. like a me thing yeah it's Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know oh that's beautiful you know, I would love to hear from you both on, um, Ash and I have dealt with this. Um, but one oh, of the cool parts of social media and also like the terrifying parts of social media in pretty much every photo app now is that you get reminders of on this day, three years yeah. ago, right. <laughs> or a year ago. And I know Savannah back in, you know, in the fall, you went through all of that coming back from just like, you know, a year, um, How do you feel when those things pop up and do you have tactics on how to deal with them? (laughs) Yes. Um, First of all, thank you for remembering that because that was a really hard time for me and I appreciate that you remember. You did. You Um, handled it really beautifully, by the way. (laughs) Anniversaries are hard. Yeah. The first time around. um, Yeah. I'm glad that there won't be any more first time arounds. (laughs) (laughs) for that in that way. Um, but yeah, those things, those reminders were really hard. He was also, he was born right before Thanksgiving, um, which has always been not my favorite holiday. Um, just never had a big family. So it was never one that felt like a big thing or it felt fun or exciting. Um, and so I remember thinking, well, we'll just replace like a boring Thanksgiving week, my least favorite holiday with Griffin's birthday. It'll be sometime around then. Um, but then instead it sort of became this extra reminder of we were alone in a hospital waiting to find out if our son had brain damage on Thanksgiving. And I remember how horrible the macaroni was and how upset I was that I had cafeteria Mm. macaroni on Thanksgiving and that it wasn't even good. Like, how dare you ruin macaroni for me? Especially in the South, right? Like that is very, the Southerners love their macaroni and cheese, so. Yes, I was so sad. I was looking forward to it so much. Um, And so all of those things were obviously very tender coming up on one year. Um, And I mean, I feel like I'm a broken record, but I, I think I just kept telling myself that it was safe to let it come and let it go. There will always be days when it comes and I can't look at those things and there will rest assured, always be another day that comes when I can and it makes me feel pride and Mm -hmm. triumph that I'm here and we made it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because even now I'll get things like that. And some days I'm like, oh, Joe, like, look at this beautiful picture. Like, look at this. Can you believe he was that small? Can you believe he was that sick? Like, that's the same kid in front of us now. And then other days I look at it and it sits in my chest for the rest of the day and I don't feel good. Um, And the difference between me now and me closer to the beginning of this journey is that when I feel that it's going to sit in my chest, I don't hurt myself with it. I, I've become acutely aware of my own bodies and my own minds, um, I guess tells what, when I'm not going to be able to take something in and Mm. not let it become all my brain is for X amount of days. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's allowed me to get to know myself or maybe I'm a new person and I'm learning about this person, but it's all allowed me to listen to myself in a way that I did not even know was possible or necessary before everything mm-hmm. happened. Um, but yeah, I just got to look out for, from a girl. I got to look out for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, didn't, I don't think I used to do that. And so in the worst, most horrible, twisted way, I'm thankful that it gave me the uh, not only the ability, but the desire in the long term to be nice to myself when I'm not. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Savannah. That's, that's gorgeous. And there were a lot of like mm-hmm. beautiful, I got goosebumps when you t- were talking about how you approach those pictures. Um, I think you should be really proud with, with your self growth over such a short period of time. I think you should mm-hmm. give yourself yeah. a big pat on the back and <laughs> drink a big diet Coke, a slushy or a Pinot Noir, whatever feels good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I hope that it's the same thing. That a year from now, I look back and I'm like, God, look at her go. And then every year, I hope I keep looking back and being like, You were being hard on yourself. You mm-hmm. are doing so good. Yes. But yeah. I love you for saying that. <laughs> Keely, how about you? You know what? You know what? Why it's crazy about Keely is because Keely is a professional social media manager. So I, <laughs> this is an interesting topic to have you on because you know all the inner workings of all of the stuffs. So yeah, what is your perspective on those like memories that pop up? Cause then now you've got kind of multiple sets of those too. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with multiple kids. Yeah. I mean, being quite honest, I'm pretty private with my kids on fa- or on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, wherever. Like I don't really share those kinds of things. So for me, I just don't get those like reminders like if I do it's like look what I did 10 years ago with this person and oh man that little right. like that little part maybe you shouldn't tell Keely but for me right. <laughs> like the year was 2007 yeah exactly exactly. <laughs> exactly and for me like I'm old school and I like to print out my photos and so like my kids will ask oh let's go through our like photo albums and like I I have those NICU day photos in there, like have all those different things. And like at first it really stung to see those. Like it was like, oh my goodness, we went through this. And, but like if you, like in another book, I'll have uh, our firstborn. And that was more of like, you know, quote unquote, normal-ish deliveries. And you see how starkly different those two are. And that kind of hurts, but what's interesting about that is also now like my NICU baby who's now three like he'll ask to see those photos 
And so like, we'll sit down and like, we'll walk through it. And my five-year-old would be like, oh, why, why is he in that plastic thing? Like, why, why are there wires? Why, mm-hmm. why, why wasn't I able to go in there? Like, there's just more of like an educational uh, topic surrounding the whole thing and like all the photos and like now I'm at a place where I'm like oh yeah let's like talk about this like it's not as scary as these I mean these photos look really scary and like all this stuff but let's talk about it like these monitors were helping the doctors know that you were doing good and you were progressing and that little tube that's coming out of your nose like that was helping you get bigger and stronger and come home like but that wasn't me Mm -hmm. like two years ago saying all this and being okay to talk through it with my children or even myself mm-hmm. like my heart wasn't there but now it, I'm mm-hmm. in that place where like yeah let's have a conversation about this mm-hmm. so yeah it's a little different I don't see it online because I didn't really do a whole lot of stuff online during that whole journey or any of our pregnancy journeys to be honest mm-hmm. um, yeah but, yeah I mean, you get like the Google photos will be like this day in history. I mean, you get that thing and it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Take, take a seat, Google. Like, I don't need, yeah. need this. <laughs> yeah. Not today. Not today. I love it when Google's like, two, uh, two years ago, you took pictures of your cystic acne to send to your doctor. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Google. <laughs> <laughs> definitely needed that yeah. um if anybody out there knows how we can hack the google algorithm let us know so we don't have to say <laughs> well and i don't know about you guys but one thing that kind of surprised me about how i use social media now is i feel really i feel really defensive or like protective maybe is a better word of like other people's comment sections like yeah. if a mom shares her experience or whatever I'm just like they better be kind like mm. you have no idea how much courage it took to post this <laughs> and that mm. kind of thing so yeah. I don't know if you guys feel this way but I sometimes feel so protective of people of just like because now I think we know how much courage it takes to share some of those vulnerable things and I'm like, they better, they better respond kindly. If they say something, you know I'm going to be messaging this mom and telling her how amazing she is, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, You just kind of, you just feel so protective of strangers you've never met because you're like, wow, that took a lot of courage to share. And I'm really proud of you for for doing that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we've been through our NICU journeys, you know, we've kind of all gone through this transition of how we interact with social media and our personal journeys and how, um, we process those. Um, I know you have both kind of, you know, Keely, you've gone through the process of growing your family. I'm not quite sure where you're at in your family building journey. And Savannah, you've kind of articulated, you know, you're not quite sure where you stand yet after Griffin. Um, I'm wondering how you all feel because we're we're all at this kind of stage where we see our contemporaries, the people our age, um, very easily being able to decide to grow a family or be able to. Maybe it's not a choice for us. Um, how do you feel navigate those emotions that come up? What are those emotions? You know, Keely, do you want to start? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're in the spot of like should we or shouldn't we have another kid? Um, Yeah. And I guess like 
going already have gone I've gone through a high risk pregnancy. I have the eleven scars on my upper butt cheeks from the progesterone mm-hmm. shots. Like Yeah. It's a journey <laughs> doing it. And now it's like Yeah. Can I can I go through that journey again? Should I go through that journey again? Um because it's a lot. It is a lot and it took I mean it took a lot out of myself, but it also like my husband was my rock of this entire thing and like it affected him and what our relationship uh, looked through for that. Um, I think the emotions right now, it's, I think we kind of know what we want to do. We just haven't taken any uh, steps to make it permanent. Um, But we kind of have a very open, we have very open conversations about, uh, where we both are in our hearts and our minds of like, are we done? Are we not done? Um, but yeah, I think we can we do have like a date set or, or later in this year to be like, okay, we're going to move forward either seeking to start those conversations with MFM yeah, or we're going to schedule a vasectomy <laughs> like that's just kind of where yeah. we are it's mm-hmm. either we're done this year or we're gonna move forward but um, yeah. yeah I mean and thanks for sharing that I know Keely I know that it's a hard decision to make and for all the reasons you've already articulated yeah yeah it's a weird conversation to have <laughs> like vasectomy talk when you're only like Oh, you're 30. Like it doesn't seem you're young. Yeah. 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 Like it's just odd. I never really pictured it. I mean, like we're, I mean, like our pre kid selves were like, yeah, we're going to have all these kids. We're going to have a big family. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, actually pump the brakes. (laughs) This is not what we thought we signed up for. (laughs) So. Um, and to bring it back to the thing, it's not, vasectomies are not something people talk about openly on, you know, it's not like people are the same way people are no. like, we're having a baby. They're not like, we're having a vasectomy. <laughs> Although I think I'm going to do that now. I'll have to talk to oh, Zach yeah. about it. Um, so that's also isolating, right? Because it's not as pervasive on our social media channels, this concept of like people making that decision. Yeah. Or if it is, it's very much like they've had five kids and then they're like, right. we're done. Yeah. You know, and it's like kind of a joke yeah. where mm-hmm. for so many of us, it's more of like a tender, you know, type of conversation. Yeah, where totally. it's more like scary to be pregnant again. It's not like a joy. Like mm-hmm. when we started this journey, like I did not care if I got pregnant or not. Yeah. For a long time mm-hmm. after the NICU, it was just like scary to be intimate in that kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I literally can't even uh, even at this point imagine the idea of being pregnant and going into a hospital and being about to give birth. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I can't even process what I would be processing if I were in that position. I don't even know how people think about it. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, it totally makes sense. And, and um, I think even the, like you alluded to, Savannah, not like not being able to like mentally even go there is itself a point of like grief and difference from like our peers who haven't experienced a a traumatic birth or, or pregnancy because, um, 
it's just it's it's not as discussed. It's not widely discussed. Um and it makes it different than that experience. And so I wonder if you both are seeing, you know, things on your feed about people announcing that they're growing your, their families or they're announcing more pregnancies. Maybe they had kids the same ages of yours. I know I feel this. Um, what does that feel like for you and how are you navigating it amongst what you're trying to process in, from your experience? I think it's kind of mixed for me, at least. I mean, I've had two quote, like normalish deliveries. And I've had those moments, but I've also had the quiet room. Your baby has been moved to the NICU and you have to wait to go see them, hold them. So when I see like those photos on social, it's a moment of grief. It's a moment of jealousy. It's a moment of like, you know, like keeping up with the Joneses. Like, keeping I feel up like, with the Jonas yes. <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel <laughs> like I'm being left behind, but like, also it's like, hmm. I mean, like, the friends that are getting pregnant now, like, I know the backstory to a lot of those journeys. And so it's, like, joy and excitement. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, my kids have been watching this Daniel Tiger episode, and they talk about, feel or like, feeling two things at the same time, and they use, like, the word ambivalence. Like, it's a lot of that. Like, I feel mm -hmm. ambivalent to, like, these posts of, I feel all these really hard, deep, intense feelings because of what I've gone through but like I also know that they have gone through a lot of things so like it's okay and like I've come to a place like it's okay to feel that I'm not a bad person I'm not a bad mm -hmm. friend maybe I need to like mm -hmm. mute that account if it becomes like overwhelming and that still doesn't make me a bad person like I can still celebrate I can still go to their baby shower I could still get them a gift if I don't feel like I can go to that baby shower like I know the steps mm -hmm. that I need to take to be able to make sure like I'm okay that I feel safe so I can love like everyone around me yeah I couldn't have said that any better for sure I am so appreciative of both of your perspective and and wisdom on this topic because it's also an ever-evolving thing right um as our kind of seasons of parenting change, right? We're going to change with it too. And um, we, we never know what's going to happen um, or how we're going to feel in the moment. But one thing I've heard you both echo over in time, over and over again, um, is that we just need to meet ourselves where we're at. And really the antidote to shame is just incredible compassion. Um, and if we can get to that point where we're feeling, you know, surrounding ourselves with love and compassion about how hard it is just to navigate this and to go through this major life transition, um, that really can be a wonderful spot of healing for us and, and can help you get through quite a lot. Um, so our final question for y'all is what encouragement and advice would you give to NICU parents who are trying to navigate social media after a delivery? All the things that come with it that we've talked about, pregnancy announcements, birth announcements, mean comments from your great aunt Nancy, right? Um, what advice and encouragement do you have to support those friends? Keely, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, give yourself all the permission to step away from it. Social is not there. Like it should be serving you and it should be the other way around. Like honor where mm. you are at in your healing healing journey. If social feels safe and you enjoy it, I mean, by all means, go for it. But if it's too much and triggers you, 
use that mute button unfollow the accounts like your mental health is way 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 more important than someone's new dog or whatever Mm -hmm. they're doing like just step away (laughs) it will always be there I mean if you feel anxious that you're missing out like maybe have a friend who's staying on social like give you the updates that you need and then you can see that text and process it the way you need to process it but yeah Mm -hmm. just give yourself give yourself so much grace social is crazy and wild and it isn't meant like its end goal is to make money it's not to feed your soul to feed your heart like that's not their intent it's not social's intent for that Hmm. that's a really good observation actually and also makes me think very differently now I'm like oh my (laughs) gosh but it's it's true like it's a platform at the end of the day and we are people we're not commodities and so we're we're like hugely complex and and um, we should approach our human relationships and experiences in a holistic way right Um, and we are more than just one feed. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Savannah? I, I absolutely agree. Um, I think that, sorry, you're going to hear him screaming. No, we love it. (laughs) Give it all, give it all, Griffin. Totally okay. (laughs) Um, I think that the number one thing that I wish someone could have said to me, someone who understood is that you are safe to find comfort in the ebb and flow, whatever that means for you right now, whether that is celebrating a beautiful time for someone you love because they did get it and that is beautiful even if you didn't, or closing yourself off from that in whatever capacity it is that you need to do that. Every day is something new. Every day is still a part of the journey. We are not done with this journey until we are not here, until it doesn't hurt, until it doesn't feel good at all. So I think it's just that we all conquered something unimaginable and that we're safe to find comfort in whatever way we need to find comfort at whatever time that might be because it was hard and We have to move forward somehow, and every day the forward steps might look different, and that is totally okay because rest assured, there will be a day that it doesn't hurt, and there will be a day that it does, but there will always be another day. One thing you point out that is so wonderful as well is that it's this is not linear at all and so feeling one way a certain day and then differently the next is not a negative sign on yourself at all it's just a reflection on how you're feeling that day um and both things are valid so thank you so much for for those wise wise words well since we're interviewing two people of our editorial team i think it's fitting to read a post that we've all collaborated on together because I feel like it ties in really beautifully with what we're talking about here. Sometimes on our healing journeys, especially if we are not where we would like to be, it can feel like we are falling behind our fellow NICU sisters. We can look around us and see all of the ways our sisters are thriving and it can make us second guess our progress or our healing. But sweet NICU mama, the beauty of this sisterhood is that even though we all heal at different paces, we walk and we heal with each other. 
Each of us will embark on our own valleys and mountaintops, and each of us will endure our own unique setbacks and triumphs. Just like no two NICU journeys are the same, no two healing journeys are the same. There is beauty to be found when we link arms with our fellow NICU sisters and commit to being a sisterhood that holds space for each other. Healing is not a race. Healing is a lifelong journey. And sister, you are exactly where you are meant to be. This sisterhood heals with you. And the post reads, Gentle soul reminders for NICU sisters as they heal. Her progress is not my setback. Her healing is not my competition. Her abundance is not my lack. Her breakthrough is not my roadblock. Her timeline is not my deadline. And her joy is not my sorrow. So good. Keely and Savannah, thank you so much for being here with us today and being such special, special team members. Um, And to all of our Nikki mamas listening, no matter where you are on your healing journey um, and using social media, Maybe you're in the NICU, maybe you're out of the NICU, maybe you're expecting after NICU and you're just trying to figure out how to engage with the beast of social media. We hope that this episode gives you permission to honor your heart first. So you are loved and my child is talking. Okay, daddy's not here. Daddy went to work. Can you go ask Opal? No, she's a dog. Oh, too bad. She's a dog. Okay. I'll go ahead that didn't um, get get that one by him, mom. <laughs> um, but know that you are loved and your heart is worthy of care and those boundaries to honor it. So we love you guys. We will be back next week with thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Nikki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood. 